Greetings and welcome to Critscast episode 26, my how to play Hyrotech Circle Guide. And once again, I'm joined by John. How are you, John? I am fantastic. Some might say a whole year older since the last time we spoke. Yes. I mean, we, we, we kind of, we're a bit delayed with our episodes. Well, we're, we're doing that, one that every two weeks. That. that was more, I had my birthday last week, that's all. Oh. <laughs> I had my, uh, two weeks ago. So that was, that was nice. You went to London, isn't it? I live in I London. I did. I, as a um, serious Age of Sigmar player that plays Osiot Bone Reapers, I, uh, I had to go see all the big giant bones just because that's what you do, apparently. So I went and saw the Titanosaur exhibition at the Dutch uh, oh, nice. Museum, which was great. And then I bought some Necrons at uh, Forbidden Planet because I don't have a problem. Oh, yeah, Forbidden Planet does the Warhammer stuff. Yeah, I bought a Hexmark Destroyer. Oh, nice. Did you check out the British Museum with totally British history in it from no, all of I, Britain? No, I, I didn't go to the, uh, the Blood Raven Museum. <laughs> I did not, <laughs> my new chapter is called the british museum anyway <laughs> but we went got, to events i think we've been to i've been to one you've been to two right we went to the same one but playing different events yeah i was there i mean for not more different days. events different game systems right yeah we went to the london open i was playing hand of the archon you were playing Age of Sigmar. I was playing Handy the Archon and Kill Team. I was playing 40k. I was playing yeah. 40k. Shit, you're playing. <laughs> okay, I'm old. Uh, I came third, which was pretty nice. Where did you come? Uh, 70 something. Out of like yeah. 150? Yeah, so it was all right. I'm, yeah. I'm still kind of blown off the dust. I, I had some very close games. Like one game I lost by five points, which I think if it had gone like him going first, would have been an even bigger victory for him. Because it was guard, but it was uh, a good challenge, and it's like I think, I think win loss ratios for forty k at the moment is a really harmful way to look at how well you've done, because yes. it's such a bloody game that it's just like cool. If you scraped a loss at like one point five points off from the other person, you've done really well, <laughs> and so you shouldn't be disheartened by it. So yeah, yeah, because it's like what is it? My tournament, I came third because we were tied on secondaries, but my victory point total was lower because yeah. they were using GW scoring. Uh, and like the main reason I lost my fourth game was because just the dice failed, which is just fine. Yeah, it happens. Yeah, nothing you can do about that. The only weird thing about the event was they made all their terrain heavy and the pipes went from light and traversable to heavy and not traversable. So I lost to Quinns in the last round, partly because I couldn't reach them because <laughs> it would cost <laughs> four inches to go over a pipe. So I yeah. was like, okay, I can't reach you. And then my gambit just dies failing, but that but that happens. But it was an interesting event. The more weirder thing, they used Into the Dark boards instead of normal boards. So the boards, in terms of the game mat, we used Into the Dark game mats. So boards were longer, but not as wide because Into the Dark is like longer uh, but thinner. I, I think I know why those boards were used as well. Me too, me too. But it, <laughs> it was still a good event. Uh, yeah. But I think it was... It, Oddly, oddly for a mixed event, 40k players actually smelt okay this time. Maybe because they left the giant hall doors open. Maybe. But it was it wasn't as that and they had free water everywhere. So that was actually really yeah, cool. That's that's a standard thing now for WT, uh, for UKTC events. There, oh. There's often there's at least a water station. There's always good ventilation, so you can be a bit cold if you're by the doors. But that, that means you shouldn't be playing that badly that you're right by the doors, so 
It's to encourage you, right? <laughs> well, I drank like four jugs of water, I think, over the course of the day. So, and I didn't go toilet until the end of the tournament, and it just wouldn't stop. <laughs> just wouldn't stop. Uh, but you played so in glad another. Glad you wore your catheter then. <laughs> oh yes, yes. It's just like uh, but you played in another event, right? Not not just uh, UK, like the London Open. You played. Manchester oh, no, you did. was the last one. That was that was two weeks before. That so the the last podcast we did was the day before I went off to Manchester. Actually, ah, oh, because yeah. that was the warm up for the team events, right? Yeah, because I did the team event three weeks ago. No, I'm losing track now. It was yeah, it was Wrexham two weeks ago. Three weeks ago now. Gosh, it's, it's, I've done a lot of tournaments. That's all I need to say. Yeah. Cause the, the, the reason we want, we want to do a, a podcast every two weeks, but then releases and events have actually gotten in our way. Yeah. So, <laughs> at least we're actually doing one a month, which is still pretty good. Yeah. But as for today, we are talking about uh, the Hand of the Archon Guide. So I've already done a, not Hand of the Archon. Oh my God. I was going to say, Hi- no. Hyrotech well, Circle Guide. Hyrotech Circle. I've done my um, research for the other one. <laughs> <laughs> I just sold on my Drakari. You better not be trying to get me addicted to them. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, but yeah, so if you've, I've done one for Intercession now, which you can check on my YouTube. This this week I'm also doing um, Legionary Guide because that's what my patrons requested. Excellent. But, yes. Uh, but we, today we're talking about Hyrotech Circle because they're a new kill team. I've actually done a lot of practice to play into them, and I have played them a bit. And you know, John, you you're you're playing them now, right? Because I've, uh... I've just built them because I don't know I've who been... gave you the idea to just like. Well, so this this was a funny thing for me because at Home Nations for forty k, I had to play Necrons. That was what I was told. Right, you got to play Necrons. So I played a lot of Necrons, painted up a lot of Necrons for because I'd borrowed an army, but I had to fill in some gaps, and I was kind of like. I'd like to paint some butchers for me. And the Cryptech model that's part of the Hyrotex is a really cool model. So yes. I thought, I'll get myself one. Um, unfortunately, the kill team itself at the moment is out of stock everywhere. So I had to oh. magically make one appear. <laughs> oh, that was interesting because when I was at the Dark Store, they actually had uh, four boxes. So that's they might be why the they're hogging them then. Yeah, yeah just go. in their horde. You just have to come to White City in London. Um, but so the interesting thing about Necrons, the Hyrotech Circle, I actually like them as well. I've always wanted to do a Necron army. The only thing is I mainly play Eldars, kind of like my antithesis. Mm. But I've done like a few models in the past. So I actually have painted a full roster and I just went with like a, they're really easy to paint. So before yes. I went with painted purple armor, this time sprayed it all silver, washed it black and brown, dry brushed it. And then I just needed the new contrast purple as the armor plates. And then I painted oh, nice. all the, yeah. the glowy parts white uh, and then painted Magos purple to oh, nice. simulate the glow yeah. stuff and then gold as my other spot color because gold is like a part of that color for purple effectively. And then I oh. went did my red Martian basing. I haven't done weathering powders on them yet. I've left it off, but it's, it's actually a really quick kill team to paint and all the weapon casings and cables I just did a coat of Black Legion and then dry brush nice. silver. Nice. So they are a really easy kill team to pick up and actually yeah. paint and play. I painted is... one of mine in five minutes. I look I so dirt- nice, I used right? dirty down rust on mine. It's great. Go. So many <laughs> rust crons. Rust crons are everywhere, but they look good as rust crons. So... They look really good. Just got to shake it and mix it enough. But yeah, so like with this guide, one good thing about them already is that before they were quite horrible, right? but they are really easy to build and pick up. And then with the latest balance data slate, 
they have actually yes. received a lot of changes. So um, actually, well, I was going to go into the roster first, but let's just do the balanced data slate first because the balanced data slate has redefined this kill team because um, at the time of this recording, the balanced data slate was the March, yeah, March 2023 balanced data slate. Or was it April? Anyway, the most recent balanced data slate dramatically changed this kill team. Yeah. So I'll just quickly bring up what they... Because before they were horrible, like just really bad. Well, the worst performing kill team, but alternating with Phobo strike team in terms of tournament wins, win rate, and usage. They were just at the bottom. The funny thing is yeah. they were one of the other kill teams that Phobos did is when they got more popular, they got worse. So <laughs> they were although them. Although there was good mod av- availability through people having them for 40k, because they were in the same box as the Kasakin, there wasn't many like kill team sets of them out for a long time yes. as well so it meant that when you did see them it wasn't necessarily someone playing that because they really really love necrons either <laughs> but the main thing so if you're going into this you you need the balance data slate and the good thing is you can find the balance data slate on warhammer community under downloads so for kill team souls shadow votes for higher tech circle reanimation yep. protocols ability has now changed you resolve this ability before living metal your operative regains d3 plus three wounds and they can be placed uh instead within blue of your reanimation token so it doesn't have to be placed within black of your reanimation token so what this means is now when you come back instead of healing d3 and then two wounds you reheal d3 plus three and then you get living metal so you heal two extra wounds so you're effectively always coming back with six wounds so the good thing about that is you never reanimate injured because most of your guys start off with 10 wounds. So on average, you'll come back with seven, which is really good. Your plasma sites, accelerator, and reanimator, their abilities no longer stra- uh, subtract one APL from you. And more importantly, from your comms, its ability to give plus one APL, the plasma site accelerator, is now six uh, red instead of blue, and it's zero action points instead of one. So both plasma sites can effectively move and dash or move and do a mission action or like you can give someone plus one APL, then move and dash or give some plus one APL, move and do a point. So your plasma sites, not only do, like with their own abilities, they're actually better in terms of action efficiency. Your Cryptech, Despotech and Apprentech all add plus two wounds. So they all go above 10 wounds and yes. they all improve their ballistic skill and weapon skill by one. So it means your Cryptech always sits on freeze. Your uh, a Prentech always hit on threes and your Despotech hits on twos. And then your Cryptech and Despotech's command and demand abilities are zero action points, which means they effectively are pseudo plus one APL. And then your reanimation ploy is zero CP, so it happens for free. And then your phase ocular for your death marks. Yeah, death marks is zero action points, but it's rubbish, so don't take it. And then your Cryptech actions are now changed. So normally your Cryptech action abilities reset at the end of the turning point. Now they reset when you next activate your Cryptech or the model that does it. So it means your abilities now no longer turn off and you don't you don't have this weird situation where you go, I set up all these buffs, I've lost initiative, they're all off, and now my opponent's won initiative and now they just punish me before I can activate and set, yeah. them, all, set them all up again. And importantly, it means you don't always have to activate your Cryptech first. So it gives you a lot more flexibility. So those are the main changes and that kind of dictates where we go on from now. So now I'll just go into the roster because now we've covered the core thing. So that's like the biggest thing. So the roster for this kill team is you've got recon and security, which are okay. 
Uh, recon is better than security now, but security is still solid. Your leader is a Cryptek, but you can have three different Cryptek. So you can have the Chronomancer, who either has an Aeon Stave or Entropic Lance, a Psychomancer and a Technomancer. The Technomancer is the one you get in the box. Yeah. If you want the Psychomancer or Chronomancer, you have to like buy them separately. I got them on eBay. I don't know where you got them, John. So the Chronomancer was part of Imperium Magazine. Yes. So you'll probably find a copy of that floating around in the ether. So there's lots of cheap chronomancers going around because the magazine was like nine quid. So yes. it's quite easy to get a copy of him cheap. I got my chronomancer and psychomancer from those uh, issues because I found them on eBay. But I did the dirty thing of going, I'm a content creator. I got these two weeks in advance. Oh, wow. Uh, I'm going to buy all these while they're cheap because no one uses them. And then the kill team end up not being good. So they didn't rise in price. So, but they are good now, so you might not be able to find them. But eBay is usually the best bet because yeah, they made a ton of those conquest magazines. So, yeah. Then you've got plasma site accelerator and reanimator, your little bug things, and then you can have five more operatives. You can have one apprentech, uh, one despotech, and then you yeah. can have any number of death marks or immortals. And your immortals can either have gauze blasters or tether carbines. One thing is, if you're trying to convert this team, a good thing to do with the Despotech, so what I did with my kill team, yeah. is I had the... You have it as well. What is I forget the Royal what they Warden. Call, yeah. Royal Warden. There we go. Because I built the box Despotech with the Tesla Carbine, and I built my Royal Warden as a Despotech, but with the Gorse Blaster, because I was just yeah. like... I got the Royal Warden for £5 with a free Primaris Marine, so I was like, this is great. But oddly, using Imperial Magazine is a really good way to build this kill team if you just yes. like sculpting and yeah. stuff. So like Immortals and Death Marks, they're in a magazine, so that's another nine quid rather than paying 25, 30 quid for five of them. So bargain. Yeah, the only good thing about buying the core box, because this kind of flips into like, you know, collecting the kill team. Yeah. Um, the only good thing about getting the core box is you get the plasma sites and you get a yes. Technomancer. So... Yes. You'll learn the Technomancer isn't great. Oh, go on, sorry. On his own, he's probably two-thirds of the price of the box anyway. Oh, yeah, he's like £25 or something because he's so yeah. huge, the Technomancer. So you're actually saving a lot of money if you buy the Technomancer and the box. The other, the other thing is also you get an Apprentic, but you can yeah. convert them from like Plasmancers from the 40k starter set. Yeah, so there's, there's ways of doing it as a, as a cheap kill team if you wanted to as well. Because you yeah. could just use normal plasma sites if you wanted to. Yeah, so it's like you have actually a lot of modeling choice when it comes to this kill team because the greatest thing is it's just an upgrade sprue. And there's so yeah. much, because this Necron, because Necrons were launch, dish, launch army for ninth edition, you have lots of ways to get them for cheap because Space Marine yeah. players will go, I don't like this, I only play Marines, like, uh, like John would say. Although now you have uh, converted, shall we say. Yeah, I have been uh, assimilated to quote Up other upgraded. Yeah, sidetrack. <laughs> I watched that. I was, I was, I, I, this is sidetracking, but uh, episode nine I was a bit disappointed by, apart from the end because of the twist. Episode ten, perfect. I, I I forgave what happened in episode nine. But Picard, if you weren't paying yeah, attention, yeah, I, I I did miss the carpet. Oh, car carpet. Yeah, I did. <laughs> carpet matches the drapes. Anyway, let's get on. <laughs> of, the, of the bridge. <laughs> of the bridge, yes. Yeah. Uh, so for the kill team Jeez. strengths and weaknesses. So the the thing about Hyrotech, I'll go their strengths first, is they are now a very powerful kill team. In my tier list video, I put them at B tier, but I said they're probably A tier. I need to play them more. I think they're definitely A tier. 
in, in like at least on open into the dark they might be s tier i think they're really strong mm. um they are oddly really good at killing elite teams as you guys will see because the thing is they are effectively six operatives with two support operatives but they're oddly really good at killing uh, elites they have really good shooting so the cool thing about gorse blasters is they're four or five damage ap1 and unlimited range so you actually do have and it all hits on freeze so you have lots of ap weaponry that is really good and then they have really good ways to control boards uh, control the board space and they have a really good way to play the game defensively so they are actually quite a threat and i think because people have slept on them for uh, so long they've kind of forgotten what they do yeah it's like it's like um it's like in 40k right <laughs> when they came out everyone was like yeah they're rubbish and then all of a sudden they were like one thing changed in the like i think the second last balance data slate for 40k and all of a sudden they were everywhere they got given core, that's why. You basically meant that instead of being locked into not being able to do much with any of your stratagems or secondaries or uh, Veil of Darkness, you could suddenly do it with everything. So they suddenly <laughs> became very good with easy secondaries, that's why. Yes. And their <laughs> other strength is they are the first kill team with ways to come back to life. So we'll get onto it when we go to their abilities, but the main thing is they have an ability to for multiple options to come back to life. So... Sometimes people argue they're not really a eight operative kill team. They're more like a 10, 12 operative kill team. And I get yeah. what they're saying. It's like when you save wounds. So like you you don't just go like, oh, you're technically, uh, if you had a five up DPR, if you had 12 wounds and you save six, you're not actually 12 wounds, 18. But then if you yeah. save those wounds, your wound count goes up because it's like exponential kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. But for their weaknesses, they are quite slow. Everyone, apart from your Cryptech and Apprentech, is two white movement or any plasma sites. So the issue is you are quite slow and you have to spend a command point to get normal movement. You need to do a lot of bookkeeping with this kill team in terms of you really need to read up your combos because once you understand the flow of your kill team, they become a real threat. But if you do everything out of sequence everything will fall apart. So you need to learn how to sequence with this kill team. The other thing is you can't overextend because the worst thing is you can afford, like affordably lose two operatives a turning point. You do not want to lose three because if you're losing three operatives, you generally only have two ways to keep someone uh, uh, like resurrect. So if you lose a third operative, they're gone for good. And the other thing is operatives can only resurrect once. So you can't keep resurrecting the same operative more than once, which is what I haven't counted sometimes, but it's fine because everyone's relearning the kill team. And then the other thing, even though they are good at killing elites and you are eight operatives, you are effectively only six operatives because you have two plasma sites, which are doing like commission actions and stuff, but they have yeah. they have attacks that go, I technically have an attack, but it's like everything well, has gone bother. wrong. Yeah. yeah, Yeah, it's just like, oh no, what has happened instead of, haha, you've fallen into my cunning ruse. Um, but yeah, so you actually only have six operatives with effectively only one way, one way to fire an additional time outside of Overwatch. So you still only have six activations effectively. So yeah. you need to. And they have to be concealed, each of them as well, don't they? So they can't actively. No, the plasma sites can go and engage. But the issue is. Oh, it's you while don't... they're all treated as. Yeah, they have super conceal. Yeah. yeah, super conceal. That was it. 
that was the one. Ignore me. <laughs> and yeah, the the other thing is that where your reanimation. So generally, your plasma site reanimator has a red inch bubble of resurrecting people, and then you have your strategic uh, tactical ploy that can resurrect someone for free. But the issue is, let's say you've already popped your strategic ploy, and then someone kills someone else outside of range red of your reanimator, that person is dead. So you kind of have to keep a wide net. So ideally you want like one flank covered by your reanimator and one flank covered just praying you don't overextend. So you do kind of have to keep a tight web. But outside of that, they are very solid. Uh, Like what are your impressions of them, John? So it feels very thematic as well that they are slow and inevitable and unless you just focus fire a big group of them down, they're just going to keep getting back up. And that feels like how Necrons should play. So yes. I just hope that it's at the right balance with it. So yeah. that That's pretty Cause I think Because I think before they were kind of a bit like, they once they were down, it was like, oh, cool, they, they're gone now. Yeah. Now they are definitely a threat. But now we'll go into their attack up. So they can take security and recon. And generally security and recon are actually good because this... This kill team is what I call a defensive kill team. They're better at playing defensively. Yeah. So in terms of they'll move up a bit and then just stay there and wait for the opponent to come to you. But you don't want to get Staging. in charge of each. Yeah, effectively. So what you can they're really good at playing recon defensively in terms of you pick recover item because you have ways to score that turning point one. And then after you've maxed recover item, you've got your faction tack ops. And then you can do stuff like secure vantage or um, it's one of the recon ones where you nominate someone, and if at mm. the end of the turning point they're within red of your opponent's drop point, uh, drop zone, you get victory points. So you can do that with your plasma sites, who will just zoom nine inches with fly. You, you hold them back, but it's really good doing turning point two and three. But I'll go over their faction tack ops. So faction yeah. tack op one, which is not bad. So it's unyielding agents. At the end of the battle, if three or more friendly high-retech circle operatives, excluding plasma sites, are within red of the center of the kill zone and your opponent's drop zone, you score one. So all desynergize as well with recon. If you achieve this first condition and one of these high-retech circle operatives are cryptech or an apprentech, you score one VP. So the issue is to get two victory points, you need three operatives within red of the center or your opponent's drop zone. So it can be a combination of both. But one of them has to be your Cryptech or Apprentech, which actually can be quite hard. Because if your higher if your Cryptech and or Apprentech are dead, then you're kinda stuck with getting one. So it's a very defensive tack up. Yeah. The good thing is you can kind of score it by last turning point, just surging towards the mid. Yeah, so you your last activation, if you know you're going last, is to yeet your Cryptech into the middle. Done. So I'd I'd rate that about three out of five. I think that's fair. Then you've got Unearth Artifice, which is faction tech up to you. So you reveal this during the first turning point. Yep. Uh, so you have to reveal Unyielding Agents in the first turning point as well, so your opponent's aware of both. Place one of your Artifice tokens anywhere in the kill zone that is more than red from your drop zone and not on a terrain feature, unless it's insignificant. At the end of any turning point before the last one, you get a victory point if it's if you control it while it's unearthed. And if you control it at the end of the battle, you get another victory point. The, the only issue is it costs two action points to unearth. And you cannot perform this while with an engagement range. So the good thing about this is really defensive. But what I like to do, I see a lot of Necron players rush forward and unearth this turning point one, which I get why you don't have much to do. You're just like, I might as well just move forward and unearth it. Mm. But the thing is, you have turning points one to three to score this. And the good thing, depending on the map, like the layout, 
more than six from your drop zone is actually pretty close. So you can stage this where yeah, that- you're, you, it's like mind games, right? You reel it to yeah. your opponent and they go, okay, now I have to be there. So then they rush forward like early and then all of a sudden you go, cool. I have three turning points to get one victory point from this. You've surged forward during turning point two. I'll just kill you. Because <laughs> like, they'll, they'll have staged into a place that might be less favorable, knowing it's the only place they can be to get within charge range of you if you're on that token. Yes. So as a result, you could then set yourself in places that you can then target where they are if they don't then charge you. Yeah. Which they uh, it's win like win. Bait and switch, because yeah. it's, it's like the same thing with central control. People will go, I have to score central control immediately because I have to score it before turning point three. But remember, if you've set the game up, so you're slowly pushing forward, turning point three, you unearth it and control it and get victory point. Turning point four, you max it. So exactly. It's the safest way, because if, if you do it turning point one, and then your opponent then pushes you off of it, yeah. if you're not then able to get back onto it turning point four because they've just bodied it, they're just negating you. And if you've got that and another tack up that needs you to be in the middle, you're scuppered. Yes. Like my biggest thing about Unearth Artifice, it's very board dependent because sometimes it can be right in front of a, right behind a heavy piece that you can easily defend, but mm. never put it near an objective because you're just making it easier for your opponent to contest that. Because so, you want it to be, you want it to be mutually beneficial to yourself. But if it makes it easier for them for what they want to be scoring, you don't want. To. Yeah, you don't want to go like, oh, by the way, if you stop, yeah, if I control, I only need to be in this point to control this objective and my faction tack up. But now your opponent's like, okay, so if I get to that objective, I stop you scoring on the primary here, and I stop you on your tack up point. So it's good, but don't don't go like brain dead with it. Then you've yeah. got worthy of study, which is like their worst one. Reveal this in the target real step of the first or second turning point. Select two of your opponent operatives then they select one of them to be worthy of study. If that enemy operative is incapacitated before it's removed from the kill zone, place one of your study tokens as close to its base. At the end of any turning point, if a friendly operative controls your study token and a cryptech or a printech has been read of it, uh, at least one of those friendly operatives, you score a victory point. And if you achieve your first condition in any other turning point, you score one. So the good thing I like about this is you can reveal it turning point two, and it's really good against aggressive kill teams. So let's say someone, end of turning point one, they rush forward two operatives. You now go, okay, you pick two. Uh, I pick those two operatives. You now have to pick one. And then for the rest of the battle, they need to keep this operative alive and nobody within red. Because your cryptech could run up or Prentic, run up, kill them, stand there. Or you can send one of your operatives to kill that person and then have your cryptech or Prentic within red of them. So you can kind of be super safe while scoring this. But it's, I like it, but it's a very, I call this like a in-depth knowledge um, tack up. So like if you wanted to use this the most, you need to be really mm. experienced and know your opponent's kill team. Because against like an elite kill team, like in, like intercession, this would be a lot harder to achieve in my mind compared to say orcs if they ran at me because yeah, the orcs 100%. would be right in my face. But the intercession guys don't necessarily want to be throwing themselves at you. And if they are, you're not going to necessarily dunk them in a turn. And then by that point, you've announced it and they can then pile everything on. Yeah, 100%. Like you basically want to go, uh, kill teams are going to be hyper-aggressive. You want to use this against. But overall, I think it's okay. So I give Unyielding Agents, as I said, three out of five. Unearth, I say is more four out of five because it suits the way this kill team wants to play. 
and then Worthy of Study is a three out of five, but it's the weakest of both, uh, yeah. like all three attack ops. But generally, you want to go either Unyielding Agents, because that really surges, uh, combines well with Recon, especially if you're playing aggressively. But on Earth, Art- Artifice is generally the better one because it allows you to play Recon defensively, which a lot of people aren't really aware of yet. Uh, I don't know if you feel that's the same. I haven't played them yet, so this is all uh, great knowledge. That's good. That's fine. Uh, my is also from experience and just like talking to players. Uh, but let me go through the operatives now. So yep. this is where it's going to get a bit... It's mainly I talk about <laughs> Cryptex now because... Yeah. Uh, Cryptex. There's, there's a lot more to them, so... Oh, well, let's talk about abilities. Yeah, we need to talk about Living Metal. Yes. So the way your kill team uh, reanimates is basically when you get given a reanimation token. So once once again, you can only get reanimation tokens from your ploy, your reanimator, and your Technomancer. Uh, you have Living Metal, so you heal at the during the Ready, opera, ready Operative step, you heal two yep. wounds. If you're a Plasma site, you only heal one. And then when you die, if you've been given a reanimation protocol, you place a token within blue of uh, within the center of your uh, the center of your base then you roll a dice in the ready operative step so you have to roll this dice so on a one to two nothing happens on a three up you come back and then as i said you come back with your updated rules as per the balanced data slate the only issue is if you're dead you're dead so i mean like if you you can't reanimate again so you can't keep reanimating the same guy and the other issue is if you don't roll that three up you don't come back yeah. And I, I have seen games where people consistently don't roll a free up. So don't, it's like, don't always assume you're going to roll a free up every turn. I'm going to be rolling lots of twos. I know that much. <laughs> well, yeah. So this is one of the main weaknesses of the team. Um, there is actually no way to reroll that as well. So you are, you are stuck. I have seen people, obviously really unlucky people, who have like, oh, I've died turning point one. Reanimation token. I'm fine. Okay, I rolled a two. Turning point three. I rolled a one. Turning point four. I'd come back or I've rolled another two. Yeah, statistically, statistically though, it shouldn't happen. Yeah, statistically, though. But let's say you've got... um, So the weird thing is you can have multiple reanimation tokens up based on, let's say, you fail reanimating turning point two. Two more reanimation tokens are given turning point two. So turning point three, you have three reanimation rolls. Generally, you're only going to get two coming back statistically. You're not going to get all three. So it actually becomes more likely to fail the more reanimation tokens yeah. you have active on the board. So it's something to keep in mind. But at least it's not a guarantee, which I think is yeah. nice. Yeah, I think it would be really dangerous if this kill team had, or a kill team, had a way to automatically resurrect. That would be really bad. Anyway, um, going into the cryptex, this is like the main thing. So I've covered the yeah. main uh, abilities. So, the, oh, actually, uh, not the cryptex. I have to talk about the ploys. So I'll talk yeah. about the ploys quickly. So the only good thing about the ploys is to to go through quickly, you have Relentless Onslaught, which lets you re-roll a dice when shooting within red. So it's good to the turn you commit because you basically, everyone gets balanced. Intractable March, all your death mac on immortals for one command point. If they have an engage order, so not if they've concealed, get the yep. normal movement. So when you're being aggressive, when you undying go, you go. androids. Yeah, yeah. undying androids. Um, when you are shot against and you're not in cover, you count as being in cover. So you basically can retain a defense dice. You don't 
count as being in cover, but you're technically in cover. So even if they shoot you with no cover, you can always retain the dice, which yep. actually makes you really, when you combine it with Relentless Onslaught and Intractable March, that you just go like, you're literally the Terminator from Terminator. You're the Terminators from Terminator 2. Just walk up and go, I am back. <laughs> um, and then you have Dimensional Concealment, which is honestly just trash, right? For some reason, if you're taking Death Marks, you only spoilers want one. And until the end of the turning point, Death Marks can change their <laughs> change their order like one action point and you can only use it once like so if you're that mega chad with five death marks this is <laughs> well i've just built five john because you told me that i should build five death marks <clears throat> oh no i said you shouldn't it's it's not my, my... <laughs> no, I'm, t- I'm teasing <laughs> got him <laughs> the panic of like did i <laughs> oh no my, my my cursed knowledge um so now we've got their tactical ploys. Overall, the strategic ploys are good, but you have to remember the turn you commit, you could be potentially spending free command points. So it, it, it's going to be quite hefty for you to spend all that. Then you've got dimensional translocation. So this is the only reason you would ever take a death mark. So use this ploy when you're setting up operatives, when you would set up an operative, sex, select, not sex, select one friendly Ooh. death mark operative. <laughs> To be set up in hyperspace. Uh, it's hyperspace dimension instead. We're going at Tartan! Oh! In the firefight phase of the first turning point, this operative is considered to be within the kill zone for activation purposes and be activated as normal. When it is, set up with the order of your choice anywhere in the kill zone that is more than red from the enemy drop zone and enemy operatives. That operative is treated as doing a normal move and loses action points accordingly, but then continues to make as normal. You can only use a tactical ploy once. So you effectively you take a death mark, you forward deploy them, and then they can still dash after. So what I like to do is I think one really good way is if you're dead set on recon or an objective, what you can do is you can plop this guy down where your uh, recover item is and pick it up, because he can still do an action like he can dash. So what you can do is drop like more than six from your opponent, then dash. It's actually really far forward. And if you're playing against this, what I actually do a lot of times, if I feel my opponent is going to immediately drop down onto an objective and loot it, if I'm within range to recon dash and deny, I will take recon to deny them. So they actually have to go further back. So if people aren't doing that, you can actually steal objectives on loot. And remember, if he dies, you spend a zero CP and then the death mark doesn't. So this is the only reason you would use it. Like the only reason you would take one death mark and why you only take one. Because it, it oddly gives this team a lot of speed. But yeah. it's, it's more like a tech piece, right? Yeah, it's utility. Because <clears throat> you, you, you it, it's not as good as, um, what do you call it? What's the commando one called? Oh, um, not skull. Sneaky about. Gits. Sneaky Gits, the yeah. one where you just bundle them forward. So the interesting thing, it's got effectively the same rules as Sneaky Git, but instead of doing it during deployment, you do it as, you do it as an activation. As a move, which, which I don't mind. Yes. I, so, I've had people get quite salty that I've been able to do a forward deploy. Yeah, I understand that, especially if the board allows them to place within red or your drop zone. But the cool <laughs> thing about this, you have heavy, so you can't shoot, but you can overwatch. So if you wanted to be brave, you can go an advantage point and you can just go, cool, I've activated him last. So on my next, you can activate an overwatch on a free up, but generally using him to steal points. Like yeah. he's really good at loot because their big weakness for this kill team is they can't loot like effectively but this allows you to be really aggressive and also recover item. Because the other thing is if you pick up recover item, when you die, you place that token within black of your 
space. So you can yeah. actually move the token back towards your kill team. So it yeah. helps you with that. Um, you don't actually have to do this every game, but I think it's a nice tech piece. It's very good for loot, but also combos well with recover item. But you don't always have to do it for recover item. Then you have your other utility one, Leech Power. Use this when a friendly crypt tech would activate. You select one ever friendly operative within white of your crypt tech. Within uh, if two, that, two white. Two white, sorry. If that friendly operative's APL is not negatively modified after applying all modifiers, you subtract one from the APL and apply it to your crypt tech. So it's another way for your crypt tech to basically get plus one APL at the cost of draining someone's APL. But generally, yeah. you do this on your plasma sites. So it's a good yeah. way to get four APL. Then you have cortical subjudication. Um, Select one friendly operative that is visible and within white of that friendly cryptech and it's not within engagement range. Basically, your cryptech goes, if someone tries to shoot at your cryptech, they shoot at someone else within white. So it's a nice way to save your cryptech, but be careful. Especially if he's standing in the middle to score you your your spec up. So you can actually use this to use your cryptech as bait, but... It's 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 it only works once per turning point, and then you've got commence reanimation, which reanimates for free. But those are your core ploys, and then um, we'll just go over the key operatives. I think that's yep. that's pretty much fair. Like the the ploys are okay. Like oddly, your tactical ploys, it's mainly they're like tech pieces. So yeah, it almost feels like they could be things that are that would put on say the 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 uh, cryptex that could have put leech power just on the data sheets. Yeah, for, san- like for sanity's sake, but yeah. So your cryptex, the problem with your cryptex, all your cryptex powers are like picked like psychic powers, but at the start, well, they're on your roster. So each cryptex has three powers, but you can only select two. So the issue is, what you're probably going to have is two to three cryptex with a combination of powers. Um, so I'll generally go over the cryptex powers. So all cryptex have magnification, magnification conduits, so if your apprentex shoots through them, they get a reroll, or you can shoot through your apprentex to get reroll of one dice. And then your cryptech actions, these now last until your cryptech next activates. But effectively, your they all have three and you pick two. But if you're playing the Chrono Monster, you always pick um times uh, not times, you pick nanomine, so you pick a point within red. Everyone within red of that token minuses white from their move or dash. So the interesting thing, if someone dashes or moves into it and then suddenly loses the movement, they end where they are. So you can kind of, if you're playing against this, what you can do, instead of going, oh, I'm going to move and then lose all my movement, you can actually dash because if your third inch gets you into the bubble, you still dash your full distance because you stop as soon as you enter, if that makes sense. Yeah. So if you were three inches from the bubble, like, and it would get you, you would touch the bubble, you would dash 2.5 inches. Then you can move with your modified movement. Effects charges as well. And then your chronometron, which adds blue to your movement. And each time you lose a move on a five up, you don't. You also can give your, uh, like, the chrono monster either has an Aeon stable or lance. If you're against elites, you go the lance now because it hits on freeze and it's AP1 with mortal wounds free. But their Aeon stave with blast is great against hordes because it's blast lethal five up with stun. So on fives, you're doing stuns to everyone. Uh, then you've got the Psycho Monster. He's good against elites. He has he's great on into the dark because his shooting attack is five attacks in on freeze. AP two blast with splash, so he has lethal five oh, up. Gosh. So if yeah, he shoots at someone, he will trigger multiple splashes. So I think if you hit three guys from the splashes alone, they should all die because you would do like four wins to like four wins or something to the first guy, 
But every time you splash, you splash the target and everyone within white. So you would splash him, then you would trigger the splash on someone else and do that, and then trigger their splash, and then mm. resolve the splash again. So by the time you've hit the third or fourth guy, they'll all be dead from splash mortal wounds. But one could resurrect. Oh, I mean, in general, in general. Yeah, but not one, against of would one could reanimate though, right? Like, no, no, I mean, one, when you're shooting at stuff in yeah, general. No, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just more referencing if you killed that many of them, one of them would, if it was Necrons. Oh, if you're shooting into Necrons, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. One would try to get out. <laughs> Uh, oh, yeah, all cryptics have command. So you select one friendly death mark or mortal, visible and within red, um, or you select Despotech. That friendly operative can perform a free fight, Overwatch, one AP pickup or one AP mission action. So we'll get to combos later, but that's now free. And nice. then your Psychomancer is generally, you only take it against elites if you want to. Uh, and generally, you take Conjure Trauma. So you select one enemy operative that is visible. Until you next activate, they count as being injured, regardless of any rules. Nice. And then, yeah, so that's really good at just worsening one guy. And then you can do Harbinger of Despair. So select a point on the visible on the kill zone. You place one of your Despair tokens. Each time anyone would pref any enemy operative perform a pickup or mission action within white of that token, they have to do uh, an additional action point, and they count as being one APO or less for objectives. So you can put it on a point, not only if it's especially if it's loot or capture. They have to spend another action point to secure it, like to control it. Yeah. And they're minus one APL to control it. Yeah. So they will need more guys. It, it, I find it's really good against elites just because he's good. Then you've got the Technomancer who is okay, but the problem is he's technically good against elites, not elites, hordes, because he can heal someone. But what you generally take is rights of reanimation. So once per turning point, you spend this when another would be actually reanimated. When, it, when someone would die, pick someone visible within red, give him a reanimation token. So a third way to reanimate. And then uh, you take Nano Scarab Repair Swarm until the end of the next turning point. Friendly operatives cannot be injured. And then everyone regains one additional lost wound. So you, you And everyone's reanimated with one additional wound. But they've kind of already baked that in. So he gives extra healing and an extra reanimation, which kind of works against hordes because you're massively outnumbered. But if you're playing defensively, you don't really need it. So yeah. the main the main thing is what you do is you take the Chronomancer. Um, you will use the Apprentech, who can use one of your powers, to generally do Chronometron on one of your operatives. And then what that does is they boost up. And then you'll see, because you generally put this on the Despotech. But generally take the Chronomancer, because the Nanomine is like a 12-inch bubble. is so dumb. Like, I... Because like, if you think about it, right, kill team, a three-inch bubble, like a three-inch uh, radius is six-inch bubble, and that's already quite big. Um, yeah. A 12-inch, like, because it's a six-inch radius bottle, bubble. So 12 inches is huge. Like, an, it, 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 in, like on Into the Dark, you know, have you seen some of the Into the Dark maps? Yeah. Like the, the large rooms? Yeah. That covers that a large the room. room. Yeah. <laughs> and because it goes through walls, I believe... Because it's not, I think it goes through walls, or maybe when they open doors, but it can cover like two small rooms. So it, it's it's so so strong. Um, the other thing is you have your apprentech. So your apprentech, he has a decent gun. For some reason, he crits on fives in combat. I always forget that because they go, "I hit you with a crit." I was like, "How much do you crits do? Five damage." What's your damage? Three five. I was like, "What?" I was like, "Yeah, I don't understand." So you can shoot your apprentech through your cryptech, but then your cryptech can you shoot through your apprentech. And you oddly can do this while engaged. 
So what you can do is charge your Apprentech into someone and then activate your Cryptech to shoot through their Apprentech who's in combat. But remember, you have to be visible. And if you pick someone he's in engagement range with, it will splash onto the Apprentech. But the main reason you take the Apprentech is because he actually got normal movement for some reason, uh, I guess, because even though he's arched over, he moves normally. Because it's the same body as a, uh, as yeah, a mortal. Yeah, it's his walking stick, his big stick and his chin. Yeah, it helps, it helps. Sticks actually do, uh, uh, annoyingly, help, because I'm, I'm getting old. So old. Anyway, uh, so his, <laughs> his, his special thing is, so the big thing about cryptic abilities, oops, is they still work in combat, so you can do your cryptic actions with your cryptic in combat, but your apprentic can't do them. But your Apprentech for one action point can perform one of your Cryptech's actions. Yep. So instead of having your Cryptech do two actions, you can have him do one of your Cryptech's actions and leave your Cryptech to do something else. Yeah, because being a, a slightly elite warband, you do kind of need to make the most out of your operatives, really. Yeah, and he's really good at just moving up, claiming stuff and just going, I'm going to move up and drop the nano mine," or I'm going to move up and give someone the boosted movement. So it, it, it's he's actually really useful now, especially now he hits on freeze. And he has 12 wounds. Your Cryptex all have 13 wounds now. Then you've got your reanimators, your, like your plasma sites. The key thing is they all have fly and super conceal. Super conceal is basically they have conceal unless you get within white of them. So they're just, as I said, I, as I covered in the pros, they're that. Then mm. you've got your death marks, which the reason they suck is they hit on twos, four attacks, four, four, AP one. Mortal Wounds 1 on a crit, so that's not bad. Heavy, no way to get around that. No silent, so um, you literally get into position. Yeah, they've got no equipment to help that, do they? No. Um, yeah, their only equipment makes them get crits if you don't roll any crits, which is just, yeah, it's rubbish. And annoyingly, they only have fists in combat, so they're free attacks hitting on freeze, free fall. So they're because they don't have breaks. bayonets on their guns, that's why. They, they just have um, long... Guns. Yeah. The weirdest thing in the box, you get all these heads, right? All these um, heads for them with all these eyes. And I thought the eyes were going to let them shoot through walls. Like, um, because in the narrative, these guys can, like, because they are interdimensional hunters, right? They don't see you, they see your dimensional outline. And their synaptic destructors don't shoot you normally, they shoot like a dimensional attack. Because I think it was 7th edition, they just shot you through terrain. And I remember the first time I faced them, they dropped down, shot me, and I was like, but how? <laughs> this makes no sense. Well, that's what I were. thought this kill team was going to do. They had to get within red, but then they could just, like, say there was a wall in the building, they just ignore all of that and just shoot you. I'd got oh, that would man. be really cool. But unfortunately, they don't. They just literally go, I get into position, I switch to engage, I get a shot off, and then I die. And that's effectively all they do. But the main reason you take them is to forward deploy. Uh, your, your good thing about your immortals, they're all 10 wounds. As I said, they have yeah. gores. Tesla is interesting. It's now five dice instead of four. Hitting on freeze, free free instead of four, five. And it's got splash one. So the only yeah. good thing about being splash one is in Into the Dark, gets lethal five up. And you can get one appoint equipment that makes your splash blue instead of white. So you can actually, they're way more efficient on Into the Dark, but ideally you want to go with the gorse blasters. And then you've got your Despotech. So your Despotech is now 12 wounds. Hits on twos on everything. Remember, your your Despotech and Immortals all hit on uh, four attacks, freeze, three, four, which is actually quite good in combat. And they can all get two equipment points to hit on lethal five up. So that's more ways to trigger crits. Yep. But his 
Main thing is demand. Remember, he counts as a conduit for your command ability from your crypt tech. And uh, demand, you select, it's zero, so you always do this when he activates. You select a deathmark or mortal keyword operative, which is himself as well. Uh, you can use the command reroll for free with that operative, but generally it's on himself. Perfect. Yeah. So those are all the operatives. Now let me get yeah. into the combos. So Ooh. this is the biggest one. So coming off of that, so the the main tactic with this kill team at the moment, you get your desperate tech, right? Yeah. You use the apprentice to let me get the name right. Uh, oh gosh, it's it's at warp speed engage. Um, chronometron. So your despotech yep. now gets plus blue movement. So yep. it move nine inches. And each time it loses a wound on a five up, has a five up DPR. Use your uh, plasma site accelerator to give it plus one APL. And then you activate it. Like you activate as your second to last activation. Because then with plus one APL, your despotech is going to move 12 inches into someone's face, shoot them point blank with a gorse blaster, hitting on twos so they should all hit. If they're marine, you will do at least uh, eight damage because you'll get four hits. They should save two. You'll do eight damage. Then they should survive whatever opening salvo next because they've got 12 wounds with a free up armor save and a five up DPR. Then you activate yep. your your uh, you activate your cryptech who moves, places the mine somewhere. Like you can place your mine first with the apprentech. Like um, if you don't, place your mine first and you're happy placing it second, then you do it this way. Uh, so you activate your cryptech to place the nano mine. You do command for free. And because it's on your despotech, you don't need any line of sight. You just pick your, your, your despotech and just go anywhere on the board. Doesn't need line of sight. And then immediately shoots again yeah. as an overwatch. So yeah. It's hitting on freeze, but you've got your reroll and potentially more rerolls from your commands. And if it's against an elite operative, you should get another three to four hits, which will kill any Marine. So yeah. literally against an elite team, you wait for them to activate, send your Desper tech up and go blam, blam. And then going into the next turning point, they still have to, he still has a five up DPR. And then you can just activate again to move up, shoot. And then it all resets once you've activated your Apprentech and your Cryptech. So this, this kind of is a combo. If you've done Worthy of Study, and they're hiding their third operative away, this gives you a way of going, right, I'm getting right up in there, you can't stop me. Basically, because the greatest thing is about all these buffs will carry over into the next turning point. So if you activate your crypt, uh, your, your Despotech immediately first in turning point two, he can then move another nine inches and shoot someone. So as you take, if you take on Worthy of Study, pick these two operatives, please. And they go like, I'll pick the one that's further away. Excellent. Nine inches into your face. Yeah. And then you can now give someone else plus blue movement, which can be your cryptech or someone else, and then they can do that all over again. The other way to do this combo is let's say you're not playing against Marines. So someone activates you. You activate your apprentech to place the mine first. And then eventually you give your despotech plus one APL. Then you activate your cryptech to boost up your despotech. So the only downside with doing it this way is you now can't reliably surprise punish someone. Yeah. You have to set it up more and you don't get your second shot because you can't command again. If you're relying on overwatches, that's fine. You can get around that. 
But the issue is, let's say you're playing against a 10 operative kill team or like a, a nine. The issue is you may not get that overwatch. So you're yeah. sacrificing your ability to shoot again to just get the combo off safely. If that makes sense. Yeah. Because the other way you can use this, instead of just zooming into your opponent's face to go, I'm a 12-inch train, is to move nine inches onto your your recover item, him to pick it up, and then him dash somewhere. Because remember, once again, even if he doesn't kill anyone turning point one, turning point two, you can still go boost. But the other thing is, he's really good as a punish piece or just playing it safe. And I think the biggest problem is people mess up the sequencing because people either forget they can get a second shot from command or they focus on getting the second shot and sacrifice actually board position. Because remember, if you're against guardsmen, they don't really mind you suiciding the despo tech in because he's going to get two shots off, maybe, and then he'll die. You, you can't, you're happy with him dying, but the issue is against guardsmen, it's not really worth a trade for him to just move up. No. The other thing is, if you want to get full movement off him, you have to spend a CP turning point one or intractable march. You don't have to, but you, you generally do. And you either have to start him on engage behind a terrain piece, like a door or something, or you take change orders, your scouting option. But yeah. it's like, that's the main combo. It's a lot of steps to work out, but it's very powerful. Like, I mean, you, you've been playing intercession, right? How do yes. you feel about that combat a combo if you were an intercession player? I'd be very worried. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I've done the math. So based on your rerolls and stuff, you should kill a Marine in two volleys even if they're an intercession with durable, because yeah. they should take eight damage from the first shot and then another eight, which is 16. If they're a Nurgle Marine, they're, they're going to take, uh, what do you call it? Six damage and then six damage and die. So it's really reliable. But what I like using this as a punish piece more than I'm going to get two shots. Obviously against elites, it's really hard for elites to, like if they don't know, they'll push forward and lose a Marine. But yeah. if they're playing smart, they'll just hang back. But uh, I've I, the thing is, the good people I've played against, they've either used him as, oh, I can send my Despotech cannon into your face, or I can pivot to secure my recover item. But it's always a threat, because when I was playing, I was like, I can send one of my guys to loot this point, but I know you can send a Despotech to punish. So all I can do is now set up to, if you do go after this operative, I can punish... But it's really hard to punish because he's going to have 12 wounds and a 5-up DPR with a 3-up armor save. And you're generally giving your Despotech lethal 5-up in close combat. Um, the only thing you need to watch out for is being charged. Because even though he'll have 4 attacks, hitting on 2s with lethal 5-up, you don't want him in combat. Not unless you're purposely charging, if that makes sense. Um, yes. And then the other thing is with the nano mine. So I've already talked about the nano mine, but like you it's really strong on into the dark but even on open boards you know how like boards always have a avenue of attack right you've got like yeah. sides and stuff and opponents who can zoom around um you just cover that with the nano mine and it shuts someone down so when you place the nano mine you have two ways about placing the nano mine once again you can be really eager and preemptively shut down somewhere you think your opponent's going to do going to go or you can play what I do is why I play it defensively turning point one. Yeah. Because if you think about it, you have to be within red of the point. It is a 12-inch bubble, but you are sending someone quite close. 
They can dash after if they're cryptech or they have an extra APL. But if you place it down, people now know where it is and can move around it. I like playing it defensively because turning point one, realistically, unless someone's forward deployed in your face, they are not going to get within your face. So what you can do is have people move. And then because people either forget or don't know where you're going to place the nano mine and they forget it's a 12 inch bubble, they will spread people out. But you'll be able to get two operatives at least and place the nano mine just within red of them or on their center. Because ideally, you can go, oh, you've moved up. Oh, great. Okay. okay. You're only two, two APL, right? I'm placing a nano mine on you. And if they're in the middle of the nano mine, they are moving four inches and dashing an inch. So they actually can't clear the mine. But the best thing is if you <laughs> if you place the mine, so the edge, the back edge of the mine, the radius is touching them. If they try and move forward, they're moving five inches towards the center of the nano mine, if that makes sense. So they can't yeah. charge you, but they're now hindered. Their only option is to move slightly back, like dash out and then move around. But then you can, you're forcing them to pivot around. And then the other thing is when they've moved away, you can just place it again after everyone's activated on them again to like completely yeah. bully operatives. Uh, I think the only weird thing about it is there's a ruling on fly where the locust has a, he has like a punish area of blue and the FAQ'd if you have fly, you don't trigger it unless you land. So there yeah. is some contention about technically flying, flying over the nanomine. But I guess you could, does, does my explanation make sense about how you would place the nanomine? Yes, yes. And I, I think that's quite a fun thing just to be kind of, like you said, defensively, because then you can be like, right, you're going to deter them going there, so then you feed them into a different place, and then you'll have set up your other guys to shoot whatever comes out. Yeah, because remember, your your movement isn't affected by the nano mine. No. So what you can do, if if someone stubbornly moves moves and dashes five inches forward onto your nano mine, you can just go, okay, my immortal is going to march forward. You're within red, bam, like it, it's just great. So you can, and as you said, you can use it to hem people into places yeah. you want them to go. So like, what I like to do is you put the super de- uh, super despo tech on one flank. And then the nano mine or the other. So you can go like, you know, you can stay there where the nano mine is, or you can move freely to where my killy stuff is. It's your choice. Exactly. The only downside is you have to remember the sequencing. So your nano mine will stay at let's say your apprentech puts your nano mine down. Your cryptech then can't place it because your nano your it's chained to your prentech. So you'd have yeah. to activate your prentech first. Yeah. Um that kind of thing. So you, you have to remember sequencing and APL. And then the other thing is, assuming you're taking the chrono monster, which you're generally taking, you can turning point one, make your despotech the cannon, turning point two, activate your despotech, and then turning point two, activate your cryptech, spend an action, spend a CP to give him plus one APL or give him plus one APL. He then move and dashes into someone's face, either lance them or blast, blasts a group of guys. Because remember, he'll be 12 inches with fly. So you can... Fly 12 inches because he'll be moving nine and then dashing another three. <laughs> so you can do that, immediately get a group of guys and just nuke them. And even if he doesn't kill them, he has lethal five up with stun if you're taking the blast. And if you're against Marines, your AP1, five free with mortal wounds free. So you can just zap a Marine. And then you can command your Despotech or another immortal to immediately shoot or do a mission action. Yeah. So you can be suddenly hyper aggressive with this kill team. 
But the only way, the only time I would suggest you can in your cryptic is either so he ends within red of a reanimator, or you 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 still have the strategic ploy in place. Because remember, even if you get a reanimation token on him when he dies, or when your apprentice dies, all those buffs end; they all turn off. So you have a real issue of going. You can make an aggressive play, but the moment they kill him, it's just off. Right, and the so other thing it needs to count, basically, doesn't it? Yeah, you need to make this play count. The other cool thing is you can give your uh, Cryptek a four up invon, but the thing is the weakness of this team is melee, and if people charge your Cryptek, he has only got three attacks with lethal five up, three through with stun. So if they just hit him with enough crits, he will die. He will have a five up DPR, but what people can do, like what I like to do, is the turn the Cryptek commits, I'll charge him knock him down to like, you know, injure him and then turning point, the next turning point, then I'll kill him. Because if I kill him, the turning point he commits, he can reanimate the next turning point. But if I yeah. delay that, it completely messes up the kill team. <laughs> um, and then the other thing is, if your Cryptek dies, your Apprentech can only do one action. So your Apprentech can still do the actions of your Cryptek, but you can only do one. So if your Cryptek dies early, even if you know they can come back with reanimation, you're either doing the nano mine or the hyperspeed. So you need to be careful. It's all about like keeping a web. But those are the main yes. combos of the kill team. Uh, does that all make sense it to does. you, John? And I think it's it means they've got a very interesting play style to me. Yes, because this kind of combos into their play style. So they're really good. I've already said a lot of times, but they're really good at playing defensively with bursting once per turning point. Or, you know, once to twice per turning point with some key operatives, or even just normal guys, um, because you have enough ways to hem the opponent where you want to go and then poke forward and then move back and then poke forward and move back. So the problem is with the way people play the game at the moment is very like high progressive. I need to max early. This kill team is kind of the opposite of it, where they can still keep up with points, but they're really good at just grinding down the opponent. So, but it's mainly yeah. these two combos. I mean, I think, how do you find those combos? Like, I, I guess, I don't know, because you play 40k, they're, they're maybe not that complex. It's the sort of thing I'm used to, but for Necrons, it's quite complicated. Because <laughs> 40k Necrons were an early book, so they're quite a simple army, so. Uh, well, definitely for Kill Team, this is probably one of the most complex combos, I would say. Yeah. I can't think of a Kill Team that, rivals it or comes close yeah like, but I, to me i think it's if you enjoy this sort of technical play style it's really good because it's a thing to reward you whilst something like i've played a lot with commandos and in session and you just kind of hit things and it's yes. just using things to make sure you hit things or to get survive being hit back and it's all very reactive and responsive and very kind of on the on the surface level whilst this is very much you set something up you make it happen and then you make it carry on. And it's it's quite nice that there's all these kind of moving plates that you're trying to keep spinning. Yes. I think the biggest thing is you kind of have to pre-plan your turning point one. So, like, the issue is if you kind of... The leeway you have when you're doing the combo is you usually activate your Prentech first or second, and then you activate your accelerator to give them plus one APL. And then you kind of have free reign until you activate your Cryptek. And then it's just choosing, do you activate your Cryptek first, then your Despotech, or your Despotech, then your Cryptek? And then 
going into turning point two, you then just have to keep a track of when you're using your cryptic actions and you should be golden. I think the biggest bookkeeping outside of that is your reanimation bubbles in terms of going, what's within red of my reanimator and have I used my tactical point yet? Yeah. Because um, right? the biggest thing is using your tactical point early and then someone killing someone that was actually really important. Yeah. And it's making sure that you keep those auras, which I think in kill team, I've not found I need to worry so much about auras as much. So it's quite a different thing to be kind of conscious of, which I think will be tough for me for the first few games because I'll be constantly measuring everything going, um, am I close enough? And I'll just have to keep shuffling my movement around a little bit and trying to get it right. But I think that'll be really rewarding as well, that you can be just so precise with it and be like, yeah, there you go. Well, yeah, and the other good thing is... Um because everyone heals two wounds at the start of the turning point, when you get hit by, like someone hits you down to three wounds, right? Start of the turning point, you go up to five, so you're no longer injured. And yeah. that that gradual two wound healing, because everyone has 10 wounds with a free up save, carries you more than you would think. So you can yes. kind of play aggressively, because there's no real healing in the game that's consistent as the Necron one. No. And I think that's nice that that's the unique selling point, because if you think about it, they're ever-living robot bodies that come back. If yeah. they didn't do that in the game, it'd feel really kind of like, oh, then what are they? Uh, it's, it's like a nice niche for them to own, but it's it's pretty good. But yeah. I'll, I'll quickly go into their bad matchups. So I think they're only bad matchups, oddly themselves, because the yeah. Nanomine... So the thing is, when, when you play the Nanomine... No matter who you are, expect your opponent to be upset because either they never played against it and go, it's a 12-inch bubble of what? Or they play against it and they know it's a 12-inch bubble of damn. Um, but in the mirror, so the biggest thing is, as I've already said, in the balanced data slate, it says you can't be modified more than to below two white for your movement. This is a cost on the nanomine. So in the mirror, your opponent mm. will be moving one white and dashing black right? So they're moving three inches. <laughs> so in the mirror, you kind of have to watch out for, you have the option of placing the nanomine somewhere else your opponent doesn't want to be. So like your opponent places it, their nanomine on one part of the board, you place it on the other, or you can just mirror it and shut down that part of the board for both of you, because you're effectively going, you wanted to go there. Well, now no one's going there. So that's, that's like, you have to watch out for yourself in the mirror, which is always weird. And then Hand of the Archon. So Hand of the Archon got nerfed slightly in the balance state. It's like where their Torment Grenade poisons you on a free up, minus one if they can't see you, plus one if you're a four up save or worse. So before it did two mortal wounds at the end of the turning point, it now does it at the end of the ready operative step, where, whereas reanimation happens during the ready operative step. So because the Torment grade Grenade specifically says at the end of the turning point, it will happen after reanimating and healing. So the issue is you reanimate with D3 plus three wounds, then you would heal two wounds and take two mortal wounds. If you're a plasma site, you heal one wound, take two. So the issue you have is eventually it will kill a plasma site, but the more important thing is you always count as poisoned, even if you're dead. So even if you come back, you're poisoned again, and you will heal D3 plus two, uh, and then that's it. You won't, you won't heal anymore. So Hand of the Archon are really good at punishing this kill team. Oddly, like their their general nerf was a buff against Hyrotech Circle. It's really bizarre. And then the other thing you need to watch out for fast melee teams. Those are the only bad matchups. Oddly, I think commandos are quite bad for Hyrotech. 
because you just move up on concealed. Like, yeah, I mean, obviously the charge into people. <laughs> yeah, you, you just charge. The nano mine sucks for you as a commando player. Like, it just sucks. But oddly, commandos are decent because you got ten wounds. You can just a scratch, and if you get in, you've got too many threats for the necrons. If that makes sense, so you just like, yeah. charge. But oddly, I don't think any other teams are a problem because even elites you cut down. Mm. Maybe pathfinders. But you have ways to punish Pathfinders at the moment. Um, vet Guard, you absolutely destroy. Uh, I had a friend playing his Vet Guard into one of our Hyrotech players. He's lost both games, Turning Point 2, just because he had to play around the Canon Despotech. And then Turning Point 2, the Canon Hyrotech uh, Cryptech just went, hello, that's four of you guys. Uh, I have a 12-inch flight. You're all dead now. And it's just like, oh. Uh-oh. But I think those are their only bad matchups. Because even crew, even though they have enough threats, you just punch them down. So generally, really good matchups across the board. So, I mean, are, are there any things that teams that shout out to you as being potentially a bad matchup for this kill team? Not really, because I haven't played them yet. So to me, I'm just like, I think, weirdly, something like Legionnaires on specific map matches, I think, like board kind of layouts could be a trouble. Because yeah. if they can get to me quick enough, they're nasty in combat, right? <laughs> yeah, I think scenario would but, be hard for them on Into the Dark. Yeah, like I found Into the Dark's really fun for my legionaries. Oh yeah, it's great for them. I mean, the only <laughs> issue is what they'll do is they'll wait to see what room you're going to commit your anointed and to. Go, and and go the other way, yeah. No, they'll nanomine it. <laughs> yeah. Because you're charging, you're charging still six inches, but the issue is they'll just slow you down and they'll like send someone to tank and then just like fall back and shoot you. But Into the Dark is where this kill team really shines because, as I said, the nano mine just shuts stuff down. That's, um, that's, a, whole, that's a whole room, minimum. So. Yeah, it's a whole big room. And if you open a door, that's two rooms. So it's like, it's mad. It's really mad. It's a shame the Psycho Monster, even though he's better against elites, you don't really use him. And the Techno Monster, while good against hordes, mm. the nano mine super... Death Guard and Je- uh, de- you know Despo uh, Des- yeah Despotech I I go kill stuff is just too strong to pass up at the moment yeah but, but I it's think- still it's still put it in your roster and then if you want to play it you oh, can yeah. play it yeah I mean I've painted them all up um, but I think that's pretty much it for matchups so then overall I I think this kill team is really really solid you just kind of have to how do I describe it yeah you have to know your sequencing and play quite defensively. If you play too aggressively with this kill team, you will fall apart. And especially if you mess up your sequencing. So if you can, like, I recommend, like, especially you, John, you said you're already going to play some practice games. Play yeah. games where you just sequence stuff. Like, even so, if you write it down, like, yes. have the, like, I need to sequence all of this. Like, what if you're doing the combos, what I would write for the combos, I would go, okay. I need to activate activate my Apprentech first or activate... Um, you need to activate either your Apprentech first or your Reanimator. So yeah. if you're activating your Apprentech first, you're activating him to place the Nanomite, move up and place the Nanomite to hem in the opponent, or you activate him to move and then give your Despotech warp speed, right? And then you can activate your, Rean- uh, your Accelerator to give plus one APL, and then you have free reign, and then it will come down. You just need to write last two activations, either activate the buff Despotech 
or activate the cryptech, then the despot, uh, the despotech, then the cryptech, or the cryptech, then the despotech. Yeah. And if you want to play super aggressive, you can above all of that, you write pre game, start the despotech on engage, and then query, spend a command point for impra- uh, intractable march. So models with an engage token that are mortals or death marks get plus white movement. And I think if you just have that down, that should help. Because I can do it in my head, but I know it's not the same for a lot of yeah. people. So I'm going to probably play, I'm going to put up my, my sort of my scenery and practice deploying and kind of doing that first turn just to yeah. kind of get an understanding of where I can get, how far I can get to put the, the mine down and stuff like that, just so you get an, a feeling for the distances as well. Because depending on the, the type of terrain as well, it depends on completely where you can kind of reach to with it because it can't be because ha- the, the restriction it has to be it can't go over train can it? it has to just go next to it has to be on a point on the kill team so it has to uh, on the board so it has to be on yeah. like, the, the board itself not terrain yeah so it's just knowing the best optimal places to kind of make those choke points which is kind of fun i think it's it's a puzzle to solve and it's ne- you're not always gonna get it right but it's kind of nice though oh yeah especially if the, the reason i like to place it turning point one after people have activated is because especially if people have moved up to terrain they want to traverse over because they'll go oh it's light terrain i can traverse over this you put you put them so they're in range of the nano mine so if they want to go forward they're already down to two white and if they traverse they've got a single white of movement so they'll they'll have enough movement to clear the like the piece of terrain then all they can do is (laughs) dash an inch Yeah. yeah they will effectively be in the open so their only option is to move away or stay there and I know people are tempted to put the mine directly over stuff, especially far back. The only issue is if they're directly over it, they can still move up or they'll do the worst thing where they'll go, okay, I'm just going to switch to engage and shoot. Especially yeah. if they're like... You want to go people into repositioning so that then challenges what they actually can score. Yeah, because you, you want, want your opponent... make mistakes. Especially if you put stuff within range to punish because your opponent now has a choice to go... Do I stay here and take the attack or do I actually reposition and then they reposition and then you replace the nanomine? So you can constantly push them back subtly instead of just going, mine on you, well, you're just going to stay there. Instead of if you put the mine on the edge of the, the range, they will now Ooh. move back or around and you can unintentionally push opponents back. So I think that's that's the only real thing. And then I think the other big bubble is if you've got that notes written down for your sequencing, you need to like highlight your sources of reanimation. So when you're playing, try and keep one side covered by your cryptic reanimator. I mean, your plasma site reanimator, and then have the other stuff you've got your ploy to use. So the issue is it, you can sa- you can afford cannoning one operative a turn. Doing two is very risky, unless like you've got. The first one you send forward, and then the second one you send within range of your animator. But then the issue is if your opponent just charges the reanimator or goes for the reanimator, then you'll have to use the reanimator on itself because otherwise you don't use it. And then you can pop a strap boy. But the two operatives you are planning to keep alive, now you can only save one. That makes sense. Yeah. And I think the other thing you have to juggle is you may be in situations where someone can kill like your despotech and potentially your cryptech, and you're going to have to make a judgment call as if you'd use your ploy to save your gamble to save your despotech or 
just go fine. Despotech's dead, but I can keep my cryptech alive. It's it's at the end of the day, there's no right or wrong answer. It's going to come down to your judgment, but you're going to have to, especially if the game gets quite tight. Those are kind of the judgment calls you're going to have to make. Yeah. I think the only other thing is you have an indirect grenade. You have no well, you, the only blast you have is from your cryptex. You have an indirect grenade, but it's it's uh let me bring it up. It's 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 lethal five up. I think it's three mm. four. Uh let me check. Yeah. Three four, lethal five up, indirect. So yeah. one use grenade. But overall that that's this pretty much the kill team. I think it's really strong now. It it, yeah. it actually does it's the, th- the closest thing it's been called to is me is like uh, in Into the Dark, you can play recon defensively with uh, custodies like Talons of the Emperor because they're oddly yeah. really good at scoring recon defensively. These yeah. guys do it great on open and Into the Dark. Yeah, and I like the fact that it's a kill team that works in both formats as well because there's nothing worse than going, right, I've just got this kill team ready. We're in the last box for Into the Dark and then we see a new season that isn't, at all the same format and then we're like okay this kill team now doesn't operate and i've just put all this time into it so it's nice that they at least work on normal terrain as well just in case that's what we go back to so oh yeah totally like i think the really the really good thing i like about this kill team gw gave it a great way to buff oddly they went with some of a lot of my ideas but oh, nice. the more important thing is yeah <laughs> it's great um <laughs> the more important thing is they've made this team great on open and into the dark I think personally, the only thing I would change about this kill team is I'd make the nano mine blue instead of red, so it's a six inch bubble instead of twelve. Twelve yeah. is is kind of honestly it's generous. It's quite generous. It's a bit unfair. Twelve uh, <laughs> because remember our boards are twenty twenty two by the no twenty no twenty two by thirty right? That's the dimensions. So yeah. a twelve inch bubble is ridiculous. Like it's it's so dumb, and I. I think if you just change that to blue, so it's a six-inch bubble instead of twelve, you you can keep all these buffs and this kill team would be fine. But yeah. I, I like that they're easy to collect, easy to paint, and they're good on into the dark and open. Mm. Like that's partly why you pick them up. And I think once you've learned the sequencing, they're a fairly easy kill team to play. They're still yeah. they're not like brain dead or they've, got, they've like, got a couple of tricks but it's getting those tricks to successfully work is is the challenge not that they've got lots of different tricks but um i i've got a whole roster done i will post pictures eventually i've actually built three more immortals with teslas so i have a oh, full nice. roster. yeah 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 because yeah. I, like, I, <laughs> yeah, I bought um i think i already had yeah i bought an extra box of immortals because i had one that disappeared and I've got all the Cryptex. I've got two Despotex because I just like playing WYSIWYG. So I like having yeah. them all. Oh, I like, to me, if, if you're not using the right gun, it's, it, I know. It's like people are, oh, but it's an alien gun. No one will know. It's like, I know. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I have to, I have to keep that internal internal because people get very upset. Yeah. It's, it's a personal but, thing. <laughs> yeah. I understand, but I, I'm very much WYSIWYG until, yeah. oh my gosh, like the monster boat gun that the new intercessors have for 40k. Where it's just like thrown WYSIWYG out of the window. Like, yeah, just have a squad with like 10 guys all having different boat guns. Do what you want. Who cares? They they all have the same thing. And I'm like, oh my gosh. As someone who has like mild OCD. Um, I, I think you'll find that I've got 20 intercessors with heavy bolt rifles. And then I've got 
five with uh, auto bolt rifles, and they're very clearly marked by the different scopes and the different ammo clips on them. Thanks, John, because that's what I did. And it makes me uncomfortable when people say that they are going to be the rapid fire ones. I'm like, no, they're not, because <laughs> they're not so modeled as that. The worst, they're... my worst nightmare for 40k is I play against a space marine guy, and he has an auto bolt rifle bolt rifle and the heavy bolt rifle all in one squad like and it's randomly between like guys and i'm just going like oh gosh it's it's literally eating me up <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah that's it for this this thing i hope you like this this guide's a bit more it, it's longer than my videos because it's more like talking out and explaining stuff because the good yeah. thing i can do in these podcasts even though it's an hour and a half well this is hour and 20 at the moment but I can explain things more because the only issue when I'm doing my videos, it's very much like you can't really ask. I'm, it's a presentation, but I'm just telling you. Yeah. There's time I can explain. So that's things kind of what more. I get to sit here and do, right? Is you say something, and I go, well, actually, do you mean this? And then you can clarify. And then suddenly it makes a little bit more sense just purely because of having a fresh perspective on it that might be kind of going, oh, what do you mean? Because yeah. a lot, it can easily be a lot of assumed knowledge as well with things that kill team because you're not using shorthand or um kind of things that make perfect sense to you like when you're talking about damage prevention roles earlier it's like it's so easy to forget that people don't necessarily know that a shrug or a feel no pain means nothing to some people because they just they weren't historically in 40k at that point type of thing yeah and it's like uh we know what dprs are damage prevention roles because i i've been saying it a lot in kill team because i've been sick and tired of just saying they have a six up way to ignore wounds or five up because Rob pioneered yeah. it. Rob, yeah. please get back to me. Um, but it's like, it, I actually do like Don't. what he said about... <laughs> no, but I, do, I do like what he said about damage, like basically being feel no pain. Even though feel yeah. no pain is coming back. It's, it's weird. It's almost like they've they've taken that on board and the new 40k edition will have uh, universal special rules. It's really weird when GW do what a content creator says. You know, just like takes their feedback, incorporates it, make everyone thinks they're a playtester. Anyway, right. uh, yeah, I know it's weird, but I hope you enjoyed this <laughs> Warband review. No, what Dan? That's Underworlds uh, Kill Team review. Oh, I've, I've, I like now and again, I'll just slip up and make an Underworlds reference, and I'm like, damn. Yeah. Um, I, I still don't like that game. Neither do I. Never did. No, okay, <laughs> I did like. I did like it for a bit. Anyway, I mean, if you're a dedicated Underworlds fan watching now, like, what's going on? You're like you one of the seek last. Seek help. Seek yeah. help. Go play a real game. If you want to play yeah. a proper card game, play like poker or something. I don't know. I could play Yu-Gi-Oh. I mean, all other card games will and, and break steal you. from children. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> that's Pokemon. Hold on, those are Pokemon card games. No, but yeah, I hope you enjoyed this. Remember, like I've got affiliate links and patrons and stuff you can check out. And remember, you can find John. You've got Ko-Fi, right? Yeah, I've got Ko-Fi coffee website. Yeah, it's coffee. And, you buy me a coffee. It's clever. Yeah, I, well, because I knew a guy called Kofi, and he was spelled K-O-F-I. So I'm like, Kofi? But it's Kofi. From, from the um, UN, Mr. Annan. Yes. Yeah, Kofi Annan. He was my friend, helping <laughs> do all that UN stuff. Uh, but if if you oh. followed this through the, what do you call it, my article, which has all the podcast formats, I'll have links to uh, John and stuff that you can check out there. <laughs> but until next time, remember, no matter what a Necron player does to your movement, remember there's always a chance to win, as long as you can roll a crit.